Well, hello to everyone. This is the Gut Check with Cesar Gomez, and I'm super excited today to bring you more gut checks. And you guys might ask, why is it the gut check? Because one of the things we've done is every person that comes in as a guest or myself when I upload any new episodes, the things that you want to look out for is the personal experiences, the lessons through the journey of entrepreneurship, through different careers, and for you to be able to listen to them and resonate through your personal experiences. And that's what the gut check is. And with that, let's get this ball rolling. What's up, what's up, guys? This is Caesar with the gut check. And I actually, today I have one of my past guest Lowe's with me and actually I'm super excited to introduce this next individual he's a you know he has a company that seven figure company he has actually he's actually in the two comma club with um Russell Brunson and, and click funnels you know let's let's not hold back no more let's introduce our guests go go for it you want me to do it all yeah, right let's do I'll... this hey Juan well thank you so much for your time and thank you for taking this gap to get on this podcast with us and and be able to share a little bit of your story of your background how you got started how soccer had a big role in what you do today in your life and your business and family and be able to share the stories the the gut checks the heartaches the the struggles you have gone through to be able to be where you're at today so i don't want to take much of your story but let's let's get this ball rolling. thanks for having me guys yeah. i'm excited to be here uh and of course to share my experience with with you guys and of course your audience for sure and so juan a little bit about you know your background you you were born raised in in colombia yeah, so uh, I was actually born in Colombia, the capital, Bogota, uh, and I was there till I was 14 years old. And then, uh, of course, that was 1993. That was when the worst things were happening in Colombia, as everybody knows. Uh, and, of course, my parents had enough, and uh, they just decided to say, you know what, Let's, we got to do something better. We got to move somewhere where it's not as dangerous or, you know, give us the the future that my parents wanted. So they decided to apply as a citizen to Canada. And, uh, well, the rest is history. We moved in 1993, and uh, I've been in Canada since then. Yeah. How old were you? I mean, my, I, how, many, how old were you when you moved to Canada in 93? Yeah, I was 14 years old. And, and right now I'm 42, so... I guess I'm more Canadian than Colombian at the moment, <laughs> well, but uh, but yeah, it's been a it's been, it's been a long time. So growing up in Colombia before '93, what 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 was your dreams? What was your ambitions? You know, because you know, not being there, you know, not having that experience of living in a in a, in a third world country or a country that there's so many wars, there's so many things going on that you know the the opportunities are not. The greatest. So growing up, seeing, you know, everything going on from, you know, war on drugs and, you know, there's so many things going. How did how does a, a, sure. a child stay focused on their dreams and goals? Because at the end of the day, when you're seeing all that, uh, you know, uh, all that war going on, everybody fighting, so many things going on. How do you how do you keep yourself 
mentally, and I know it's kind of weird, but at, at a, such a young age, yeah, it, it, we have it in us at such a young age. We just don't know it. That's right, and 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 I think you hit it right on the head. Like I think it's something that in our DNA, in my DNA, uh, my my parents in, back in Colombia, like my mom, um, she was a physiotherapist. My dad was a business owner. So, um, so I just kind of grew knowing how to, you know, working on businesses. Um, and it was just, you know, ever since I remember, uh, I remember when I was 10 years old, I was asking my grandparents and parents to, to wash their car because I wanted to have some money uh, to spend on candy. So ever since I remember, uh, I've been trying to find out how to, how to make money by by doing different stuff like washing cars and selling, you know, the lemonade stands and so on. So um, that definitely kept me focused um, and away from the bad stuff that was happening all around, for sure. And one of the things uh, let's let's talk about, you know, you know, when you're you're asking your your grandparents and and family members to wash their cars, that's entrepreneurship right there. Um, you know, like you said, you're always trying to figure out how to make money. Um, because at the end of the day, there's there's right ways, there's wrong ways, there's no way, you know, and you were actually that's right. You were exchanging, you know, a service for money at 10 years old. So the entrepreneurship um, mindset, the entrepreneurship drive has been with you since that age. What challenges did you have at that age? And I mean, with education, with um, sports, were you trying to pursue a sport where were you trying to pursue your you know your your dad your dad had that mindset of you know he had a, he had a business so he already had a mindset to to know, understand yeah. what it takes to be an entrepreneur well uh you know in regards to schooling and stuff like that um i don't know if your audience knows but um um there is either really poor uh people or uh, rich people with money. I don't know if rich, rich, but you know, you either have money or you don't have money, Got it. right? There is no middle class. Uh, I was lucky to be on the people that had some type of money. So, so I did go to a, to a private school, um, in Colombia, but it's, it's normal, right? Like it's actually abnormal to go to a public school. That's again, if you don't have money, you go to public school. If you have a little bit of money, uh, you go to private school because, of course, the parents want to make sure that the kids, um, you know, succeed in life, especially in places like that. So uh, I was lucky, of course, that way. I was lucky to have a, an amazing family, uh, the support of my parents, grandparents, cousins, like everybody. We're pretty close family-wise. Uh, and a lot of the people in my family had businesses and so on so it was kind of like i said in my dna um now in regards to you know soccer and stuff like that yeah i i did play soccer i didn't know that i was going to be playing i just love soccer um i still remember my my dad telling me that when i was like two or three years old he used to come home for lunch and uh as soon as i would see him i would just ask him to play um you know, kick the ball and he would kick the ball with me for about 30, 45 minutes. And then he would go back to work. So ever since I remember, 
and ever since I don't remember because I don't remember those times um, because I was so little. But I, I do see the pictures. Um, I was two years old, three years old, kicking the ball with my dad, and that's kind of all I—I I don't know, all I had. But that's that's the one thing that I loved the most when I was uh, growing up. So when you were, um, you know, when you were out there watching cards, you were also playing soccer, and you know, any sport it doesn't, you know, soccer, any sport takes also requires mental toughness because at the end of the day, when you see the top athletes, they're not lucky. They, they've worked their asses off. So how, sure. how did you correlate your soccer career? And, and then we're going to talk about your ventures, what you've got going on. But, you know, as, as, as at a young age, playing soccer, watching cars, how did it all correlate with each other? You know, because at the end of the day, to be able to love a sport and go out there and, and play the sport on top of that, go out there and figure out how to make money, they, they go hand in hand. Sure. Yeah, so, of course, one of the things that soccer has taught me uh, through the years that I played um, is, of course, to be a team player and to be driven, right, because you're always trying to win. <laughs> of course, that doesn't happen all the time, but, but again, the mentality is, like, how, how can I work? How, what can I change? How can I move different? How can I become faster? So I think that translates into business itself, right? Like, how can I change this? How can I make this offer better? How can I uh, help somebody better, right? So they definitely correlate, uh, again, not only on, on the tactical side of things, but also on the, like, the mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be tough when you win, but you, also, you have to be tougher when you lose. Uh, just to keep moving it forward. So I think that's kind of one of the, the, the things that relates one to the other for sure. One of the things I want to kind of touch on that you said, you know, when you lose, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's something that we don't, we hate. I mean, I, I think any human being hates mm -hmm. losing, but correct. You know, I'm going to throw this philosophy that you learn more from losing than from winning. Oh, I completely agree with it. Yeah, for sure. I think if if you're winning all the time, uh, you get comfortable. I don't think, or a, a lot of the times, it's not that you're good at it. It it, it could be something else, like the economy is good, or or you know, there is so many other reasons why people win. But um, when somebody loses, uh, again, right now we're going through COVID. Uh, again, a lot of people were winning before COVID. Now they're not. So the, the ones that are going through it and they're going to be on top are the ones that are, I don't know if I want to call them the real entrepreneurs, but, but they are the, definitely the stronger entrepreneurs and the ones that are definitely going to be okay uh, from now on. And, and to add to that, you know, and this is a gut check. Everybody that, you know, we're all going through this COVID worldwide. And to be able to kind of give shine some light on what you just said is, I think it's it's the entrepreneur it's the entrepreneurs or the human beings that know how to pivot, you know, because at the end of the day, it's, right. it's how we adjust because we get comfortable and the and the majority that get comfortable get taken out, but the ones that that know how to pivot, that know how to adjust, that know how to take a, a punch, and, and 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 adjust from it and be able to continue to move forward are the ones that are going to win. And I agree 100% with you, you know, through this COVID, through everything that's been going on, it's actually 
out of all of our control. But at, at the end of the day, the ones that adjust, the ones that pivot, the ones that try, the ones that execute are the ones that are going to come out on top. And that's the that's why, you know, for me is so exciting to have you on this podcast with as well with with Lowe's, because at the end of the day, we're we're a few of the ones that have pivoted and continue to strive through through this pandemic. So let's let's keep moving forward. 1993, you're 14 years old. You, sh- you, you know, you arrived to Canada. How was that feeling for you coming from Colombia? Um, you know, just going to a, a whole different environment, um, a whole different language. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, that could be shocking to any, any person that makes sure. that transition. So how did yeah, you cope I with think, that? How did you? Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, it was definitely tough um, just because it's completely different. And not only that, but I was at an age in which it's, on its own, hard enough, right? Like teenagers uh, moving to another place, it's it's harder than somebody that's two year old, like a two year old moving to another place, right? Like there's so much more than just um, what's going on around, but like internally, it's so much harder. But uh, but yeah, it was it was definitely tough uh, because it was completely different. The schooling or like the schooling system is different. Um, just the whole thing is completely different. Now, if I think it was hard for me, I can only imagine how hard it was for my parents. Uh, of course, because I didn't speak English. My parents didn't speak English. They were doing fine in Colombia. The only reason why they moved here was for us because they could have just said, you know what, whatever, we're, we're good enough here. We don't need to go through trouble and, and we can just stay here. But they definitely sacrificed everything that they had and became very uncomfortable uh, just for us. So even though I think it was hard for me, I just can't imagine um, how hard was it for my parents to move without the, 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 the language, without... You. you know, and that's a gut check right there, because like you said right now, your parents came and, and, and very... To, to Canada, very uncomfortable circumstances, not knowing the language, not knowing pretty much anyone and, and, and being able to adapt. And that right there is for all entrepreneurs that are out there saying you're an entrepreneur, stating you're an entrepreneur, posting that you're an entrepreneur. In reality, you're an entrepreneur when you get out of your comfort zone and do something that most people are not willing to do. Like, you know, Juan That's and his right. family packed their stuff and came t- and, and, and transitioned to another part of the world just to be able to be safer and provide a better life for Juan and his siblings and his parents. That's, That's uncomfortable. Right. That's super uncomfortable. How many, and, and, and I'll throw this out there, how many of the, anybody that's listening to this, how many of you right now are willing to pack your stuff and go to the other side of the world and and start all over? And that's the question that I always ask entrepreneurs. Are you willing to just pack your stuff and go somewhere else and start all over? And if you are, and if you do do it, because it's easy to say, oh, I'll do it, but doing it is a whole different, it takes a whole different type of character to be able to do it, not just say it. So 
right there's a gut check to all you entrepreneurs out there that are they're starting that consider themselves just because they they've put themselves in a position to to do pretty good but the reality is how comfortable are you to just pack your stuff and go somewhere else and start all over you know one of the things i always tell my wife one day and you know right now we have our kids that are still at home but i tell her one day i will when they're all gone i'm just gonna pack my shit and i'm just gonna go pick a place and land there and you're gonna go with me and within 90 days i'll start something because i just have that and and she's like you're crazy i go no it's just i want to prove it could be done and and it will be done that's how you know you're an entrepreneur Sorry, but I didn't That's want to right. take your story. Yeah. I just wanted to share that analogy. Yeah, no, it's good. No, I love hearing these stories too. Because I tell my wife, it's true. Like, you know, how, you know, somebody that already has something established and you just says, excuse my French, fuck it. Let, let me just go over here and start all over. You just go out there and start talking to people and networking and start from scratch. And, and I'm willing to do it. Not yet. Maybe in four years when my kids are gone to college, I will do it. Because it's just me and her. Like, I don't have to worry about my kids. They'll be on to doing their own thing. And I would just pack my stuff and do it. And I'll just land somewhere and mm-hmm. build relationships and talk to people and see where we could start. You know, but that's entrepreneurship. So so you get you, you, you show up to Canada. You don't know English. You're probably a freshman when you showed up. Yeah, I was in, uh, I think it was grade eight. Of, yeah, okay. grade eight. So first year in high school, I guess. Yeah. How but was of that? course, I didn't know anybody. So, so I think um, the way that for me to uh, maybe be part of something, I played soccer. So the first thing I did is try to find out and see if the school had a, uh, a soccer team. And of course, uh, they did. So I joined it. And, uh, and that was my way to start to, to meet people. Because uh, I was definitely ahead of, like, skill-wise when it came to soccer compared to other grade eight and nines and, you know, people my age. So just by playing soccer, I started to get so many uh, new friends. Just And I didn't even speak English. They're like, oh, that's the guy that plays soccer and that's the guy from Colombia. And so for me, it was uh, probably easier in a way than a lot of people come to a new country just because I had that one thing that that people loved, which, which was me playing soccer in their team and, and helping them win and so on. So that was kind of my end into new friendship, for sure. So soccer, soccer. So you go into high mm-hmm. school, that's what's opened, you know, opened the, the doors of opportunity. People were like, man, like, look at Juan. He's such a great soccer player so how far did you go into your soccer career um so i i went into i um i don't know how it works in the states but in canada um they have different levels so when you're young the highest level you can get up is called metro metro soccer which is the top soccer back when i was young uh so i did play metro soccer um, I did go to a bunch of, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, like provincial type, uh, tryouts and so on. Um, and I did get, uh, picked for a really good team. One that I was looking for in, 
1997. And what happened on that day is I got in a, in a huge car accident in 1997 in which it was like um, a bunch of people were just sitting on a road uh, partying, you know, like kids, teenagers. Yeah. They just yeah. hang out on the road. Um, and then there was, it was probably like about 100 people on the road. And this one car just went through the whole crowd and uh, and hit, I think, 20, 20 something people, killed two of them. Uh, one of one of them was myself, so I did get hit. Um, and from that point on, of course, I couldn't keep playing at that level. I did. Um, I was off soccer for about a year or two, um, and then by the time I got back, I I was able to get back into playing soccer at a. It's called Premier Premier level, which is just a step below. Uh, professional soccer, I guess, if you want to call it that. So, Wait, so can you go back uh, a little bit, Juan? Part, you said it like it was nothing. So did you end up breaking any bones? or Because you took uh, a year I, of soccer. I did, dislocated, I did dislocated a hip. I did oh, uh, had some scratches all over my body. Uh, yes. So did, I was one of the better, the, the least hurt, if you want to call it that. Sure. And then did you have to create like a new identity for that year? Cause like soccer was everything you knew, right? That was like your universal language when you got to Canada. That's what got, like, put you on the map, like in school with the relationships. Um, was it hard for you coming up with the new identity during that, that one year since you didn't have that like well, universal language? Yeah. Yeah. So the identity, I actually went the wrong way on the identity, right? Because if I couldn't make it to soccer, well then what's the point? So then I started to, to drink <laughs> quite a bit and party and so on. And I did that for about three, four years nonstop to the point in which I was getting in fights every single day. Uh, my mom used to check uh, my hands every time that she would see me. It's like, let me see your hands. I want to see that you didn't get in a fight today. Um, so, so yeah, it did take me and it did change my my identity for a while because I just didn't know what else to do because that was, that was it. I was the soccer guy. Right. So you are right. Carlos. That definitely uh, changed my identity. And, and you feel that, and, and this is a great talk. This is a great, something to pick at, you know, that, that moment and in, in, in you were pretty much on your way to pro soccer player. I mean, you were just around the corner. So, some, you know, life just throws this person that drives a car into the crowd. Uh, you get hurt, and now you're backed up a year or two from soccer. So that that you take ten steps back. But what happens through that moment? You feel lost. So you you know you go out, start drinking, having you know, kind of letting that pain overtake you by you know doing getting in fights and stuff but it's just it's part of the process i mean at the end of the day unfortunately unfortunately because god had other plans for you oh, that, we're gonna, that we're going to talk about right now but most yeah. people you know unfortunately in, in today you know in, in in the world there's people out there that get hit with these circumstances and they just lose it all they don't get out they don't get out they get stuck there. definitely yeah yeah and it takes a lot to get out but I know that there's doesn't matter how how deep you are into something. There's always a way out. You just have to keep looking for that 
exit, right? So, so what and was your way out? Because obviously, like alcohol, like clouded your judgment, clouded your self worth, right? Yeah, that was your identity. So, what was that one thing you're like, "Fuck it, I'm done, I'm out." And it, obviously, um, you're not done right away. It was yeah, like a progression. No, I, 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 yeah, no, I, I remember the night completely because um, I, I was back then. I was working. I can't remember what I was doing. I was driving, you know. Chinese food or something. I can't remember at the job. And um, and my my friends were partying and they said, well, you got to come. It's, it's going to be a Mexican theme party. So I said, okay, well, I'll be done at 11 o'clock at night, but I'll get there. And, um, and I ended up going to that party and, of course, all the margaritas were gone and <laughs> everything that was left was just tequila. So... <laughs> I, uh, they didn't have any glasses left in cups. So then I started to look for something in which I can catch up to the other people, right? Uh, and I found these cooking glasses, you know, the ones that yeah. they're measuring cups. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, I started just to pour it as a joke. I'm like, okay, I'm going to drink 10 milliliters of tequila. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to drink 20 milliliters of tequila. <laughs> and then I ended up drinking like, half a cup or whatever just chugging tequila oh um well next thing i know i of course i don't remember anything and um it was raining it was winter it was raining so hard i woke up on the front yard sitting on a wheelchair i have no idea and it was raining i'm soaked and i'm looking at the clock and it's like five o'clock in the morning five thirty, and i'm like oh shoot i gotta I got to go to work. So I got in my car, still drunk, and I had to pull every, like, every block because I was so drunk that I was, I was trying to throw up. And, uh, and yeah, that was, that was it. I made it to work, and I don't know how I didn't die because I was completely gone. And the next day I said, you know what, I, I can't do that anymore. And, and, and I stopped drinking. That was it. And, if somebody sees me drink, uh, it's probably once in a year, like once a year, when I have like one beer, and that's it. So I didn't go to rehab. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just said, I, I don't know, something changed, and I just said, I just can't do this anymore. So it was kind of an over overnight fix. I just, I had enough, and I just changed it. You know, that's that's that that saying that says when you you know when when it, when you're done with something and you're done with something, you just let it go. Um, but a lot of people that was can't do rock that. bottom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, and that's a gut check right there. If if you're going through some type of uh, distressful moments, some type of you know um, anxiety, you just gotta you know once you say it's enough, enough is enough. Then you have to tell that to yourself, and and, and enough is enough. And you know, you shake yourself up and, and keep moving forward. It's easier said than done. It's, it takes a mindset. It takes understanding to be able to just do that, you know, and, and you already hadn't, you already had created success through your soccer career. And now, you know, you thought that was it, but then now you, you found yourself in this position. You're like, no, there's more to life. So let's talk about that. So you, so you snap out of that moment, you, you know, said, I'm done. I'm done drinking. I'm done getting in fights. Let me get back on track. So what was that first business venture you started um, after your soccer career? 
Yeah. So, so of course, between 19, when that happened, and 24, it was kind of a blur. I was just doing different jobs. So I was working, like I said, as a delivery driver. I went to school to become a carpenter. Uh, I'm a, um, uh, it's called a, uh, aircraft uh, maintenance engineer. So just kind of fixing uh, airplanes and so on. So I did all that stuff because I was trying to find what I wanted to do. Um, somehow I would last at a job for no more than a year. And, and then I would just get bored. I'm like, I, I can't do this. And I would do something else. And I would do something else. And then I started to kind of think, I'm like, why I am not sticking around? So it's not that I didn't like to work because I'm a hard worker. It's just I didn't like when people told me what to do. <laughs> and once I figured that out, then I'm like, okay, cool. Then I can actually do whatever I want and I won't have anybody to tell me what to do. So for me, I just hated when people told me what to do. And, and and that's kind of what changed it for me. And I said, you know what, that's enough. And I need to start my own thing. And what was that one, that first business you started? You know what, I because I was into the soccer stuff uh, all my life, um, I I became a sports conditioning coach. Okay. So because I knew soccer, uh, I'm like, well, the best thing that I can do is uh, train people on how to not how to play soccer because I wasn't a soccer coach, but how to have the endurance and, and the strength to play soccer. So I became a sports conditioning coach and I focused on training soccer players and getting them in great shape. So, so that was it. And that's kind of when I, I, I met my wife and, and, and then we decided to start the company that I still have to this day. And that was, uh, uh, and. Four, I think when when everything happened. So, what's, what's the name um, of your company? So it's, it's, gym. Uh, it's the gym, and it's called Equilibria Fitness. And, and and of course, it has changed through the years. Um, you know, we were we had a yoga studio, we had a Pilates studio. I was training professional athletes, and as of right now, it's a women-only facility for weight loss. So again, even though it's the same company, like you said, we have to shift a few times to make it work. And and that's part of being entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, we we adjust like we talked about earlier, pivoting. So when you mm-hmm. st- when you so and it, it all and this is one of the things that everybody that's listening out there when you become an entrepreneur, the first business venture might be the one might not be the one, but you start adjusting. So f- your first business was actually training soccer players and they transitioning it, it, transitioning into a company a, a gym you tried yoga you tried different things but then you realize what exactly was your niche and i want to go back a little bit before that you said something earlier that you had jobs that you know you couldn't last and one thing anybody everybody that's listening out there as an entrepreneur and this happened to me too i've only had two jobs in my life and i was 18 or 19 years old and and i've always been an entrepreneur um since then but i used to hate it too because i used to hate when people told me what to do and and that's when i realized i can't have a job because i wouldn't last either i lasted two jobs one was nine months another one was six months and then after that i've always been an entrepreneur um so those are those are the those are significant 
things that we have to understand. If you're listening to this and you have, again, there's a difference between being lazy and not going to work or hating or getting bored easy. Getting bored easy at doing a task over and over for a period of time, that, and then you get bored easy and you move on to another different type of job task, that's uh, that means you have something in you of entrepreneurship but if you say well i'm not going to go to work today because i don't feel like it well that's not entrepreneurship that's lazy so i just want to make that distinguishment so that's right anybody anybody that's listening out there don't 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 be like oh well caesar or juan said that you know if i don't feel like working i'm an entrepreneur that's it everybody's an entrepreneur (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> you know, now the other thing that that I can say about that is, um, when I was younger, I would I would chase the money, mm. so I didn't care what it was. So I would say, somebody says, I heard that uh, carpenters can make a lot of money. Okay, cool. I'm gonna become a carpenter. Oh no, no, no. That's not how what makes the most money. You you, you gotta you gotta work with airplanes. Okay, great. Then I became an aircraft maintenance engineer uh but at the end of the day i i was doing something that i didn't love so once i kind of went back and started to think about a few things then i'm like okay well i do love soccer so my best path uh was to start to train athletes right because i was an athlete myself now once i became uh a sports conditioning coach it didn't really matter if I was making a lot of money or little money. I love to go to work. And once that shift changed, because I just wanted to go to work because I was doing whatever I love, then that kept me moving forward. Um, I think if I would have chosen something that I didn't like, of course, I probably would have gone into something else and something else and something else. So, so I think that's one big thing. Like, just do something that you really love because just for the money it's not enough and you know one of the things i want to add to that when people chase money i always have this and jim Rohn says this you know it's like chasing a butterfly it'll elude you because money is not everything but when you do something you love the money comes by itself and that's such such a powerful philosophy that most people don't understand if i chase money you're going to be chasing money all your life. But if you do what you love, but you're doing it to make a difference, all the money will come and you don't even have to look for it. It just shows up. But we're taught we got to work for money. So that's why we're always looking for what's going to pay the most. But when you do the right thing and you do what, and you love what you do, the money comes by itself. That took me a long now time. Now re- Go ahead. That's right. And the reason why it comes by itself is because if if you do what you love, you said the money will come. Well, if I do what I love, I'll probably be working 18-hour days because I love it. So, of course, the money's going to come by itself, right? Because it's all connected. 100%. It is. Right? And, and because it won't now be. you're working harder. Now you're working longer. Now you're, you're working Saturday, Sunday. You see what I mean? Because you love it. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 everything's connected. Now, if you don't love it, guess what's going to happen you're going to try to finish work at four o'clock or five o'clock because you hate it and you you wouldn't like to work an extra hour so i think when people say when you do what you love the money comes yes it is definitely 100 percent true 
But one of the reasons is because, of course, you're doing what you love, which most likely you're going to be working harder, you're going to be working longer, and you're not going to be quitting if something comes to you. Yes, right? 100%. You're going to keep moving forward. And, yeah. and, 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 and I'm going to kind of fast forward. But when you do that for a long period of time, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Juan, and when you do that for a, a period of time, the time you work is becomes less and less because you become more more strategic, more creative. You start leveraging, you start delegating. So the roles change. Right. So you are you're you actually get your time back and be able to duplicate yourself in others when you lead them. So now your income doubles, triples, quadruples, tenfold because you're actually only focused on the things you're great at. And as an entrepreneur, that's, that's the ultimate goal to be able to only do the things you're great at and that you love doing. And the rest you delegate, you leverage off other people's efforts. And now you get, you're able to get your time back and continue to make more and more money. And that's where everybody gets lost. And most people never even get to that phase in their life because they're too busy chasing money. That's right. Exactly. So just want to add to that because, you know, most people be like, oh, I look at such and such and he's always, you know, on vacation. And how does he pay his bills? Well, he's not chasing money. <laughs> you know, that's just the difference. That's right. The money's working for them. Correct. For sure. Correct. So now so you start your gym. Let's go back to your gym. You know, you make some adjustments. What what was that turning point? What did you when did you say, OK, you know what? This is working. This is not working. This is something very deep that most people don't also get to this face in their business careers or in their entrepreneurship because they quit too soon. You know, they're doing things for the money. And when things don't go well, they quit. So let's talk about your gym. You know, and one of the things I want to share before you say that and everybody that's listening his right now, his gym business is a seven figure uh, business as we speak, even through COVID. So it's not just your your local gym. It's actually a seven figure. And then we're going to talk about some other stuff you're doing. But let, talk about that moment, that turning point when you say, you know what, I got to make some changes to take this thing to the next level. Yeah. And, and you know what? You just mentioned it. So I soon as I figure out how to delegate uh, and open up my time, that's when the gym started to grow. So as soon as I stopped trading time for money, that's when the gym started to grow. And of course, to do that, I had to come with different systems. So again, once I figure out the systems to get myself out of the, you know, Day to the day. gym itself... Day to day, uh, it's tough. That's when the gym started to grow, for sure. But of course, it takes. Of course, it's scary, <laughs> right? Because once you start to hire people, uh, you know the scarcity mentality kicks in. It's like, well, why should I pay this guy if I can do it on my own, right? So mm -hmm. that's that's stuff that has to be worked out mentally. But but yeah, you're right. As soon as as you start to delegate. Um, the stuff that you're not good at or you don't want to do that's when everything started to change for sure well i, I don't know if you know the acronym of systems mm -hmm. do you know it the what sorry the acronym for system no what is it so and, and this is something for everybody that's listening out there write this down save yourself 
time, energy, and money. That's the acronym for system. Um, because system is exactly what you need to be able to leverage and delegate and plug people into it. So save yourself time, energy, and money. That's the acronym of system. And one of the things is that, you know, I share this with Lowe's is, I don't know if you heard of this. And this is, this is to all the entrepreneurs out there that don't want to let go. And this is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lowe's or Juan, but when you don't, when you try to control everything you do and you try to do everything yourself, you're limiting your growth. You said it right now that you're limiting your growth, but I have a philosophy. One times one equals one, right? One person, one effort equals one income. When you learn how to how to delegate and leverage and you grow that to 20, 30, 40, and you're getting paid on the efforts of 30, 40, 50 people, that's when your income grows. But if you have a mentality of one times one equals one, you will never grow. You will, you would think you think you are, but you're not growing. And I'm talking about income wise, business wise, company wise in your business. And correct me if I'm wrong on that one. I completely agree with you. And, and, and I, I share that because that was a turning point. And most people think, well, you know, what was it? Was it your product? Was it your membership? Was it? No, it was when I said, you know what? I got to hire people to do the things I'm not that good at or things I don't want to do. Same thing with me. You know, it's, it's, and I'll share this on my podcast, which I, I've never shared is I get mental paralysis. I get anxiety when I have to do things I hate doing. Amen. Um, because I know what I'm great at. I know where I bring the value to. And if you tell me, like, for example, accounting is not my thing, but what, I, what is my thing is reviewing a profit and loss statement to be able to see where my business is at. But for you to tell me, uh, where, where we at on this, you know, inventory where we, that there's systems in place, just give me the report and I'll find the problem. And for, but for me to be able to input it on QuickBooks or be able to, oh, that's, I, that's not my department. I hire people to do it, but you know, that's what most people don't understand. I know, I know friends that are entrepreneurs that, you know, up till 11 o'clock trying to do their accounting. I'm like, why don't you just pay someone? And it goes back to that one times one. And that's why they can't grow. I agree with you 100%. So that turning point, you start, you sit down, you say, you know what? Um, this is going to be a tough one. I got to start hiring. What's the first things you started delegating in your business? Uh, the training. So I was coaching myself. Um, so the first thing I actually um, hired somebody to to coach my sessions. And for how many years were you coaching yourself? Probably sixteen years. <laughs> sixteen years. So, so every yeah. everything changed about three years my last three years because I didn't know. And that's what I'm saying. Like once you figure it out, then everything changes fairly quickly. So the first thing that I delegate was I was trying to get my, my, my time back and I was training 30, 40 hours a week. So if you're training 40 hours a week, that means that you don't have time to do anything else. (laughs) like marketing, sales, right? So the first thing I did was delegated some of those training hours so I can learn 
sales and I can learn marketing and so on. So basically new skill sets. You know, like the stuff that matters. Right. And it's funny because you were great at sales because for 16 years you were busy 40 hours a week. So sales was not your weakness. (laughs) That's right. So I could sell, but I just didn't have time for people. If somebody wanted to to train with me, I'm like, well, sorry, there is no time. Get on a wait list. And 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 the, so sixteen years. Sorry to interrupt. You, sixteen years. Was it sixteen years that it took you to start delegating that task, those roles? That's right. Yeah, I uh, I was doing probably ninety five percent of the training sessions myself. And then after that sixteenth year, how fast were you able to turn it around into a seven figure company? Because that's that moment where about uh, yeah, for about a, a year and a half. Yeah. I hit the, the seven figures. And one of the things to all the listeners right now, I want you guys to ponder on that. You know, Juan was doing it for 16 years and then boom, it hit him. And he started doing the right things that you have to do as an entrepreneur, but it takes 16 years. Does that make him a bad entrepreneur? Absolutely not. But after the 17th year, then Juan is that lucky guy. Oh, you know, he just got lucky. No, he, he, he worked his ass off for 17, 16 years and the 17th year, he figured out the leverage and the delegation that is so easy to talk about it, but it's so hard to implement and accept. And that's when that's you right. became a success story and everybody's like, oh my God, we believed in you. Or the haters were like, oh, he just got lucky. But it's not luck. It's, right. it's, it's the timing was right. And it was that moment that you say, you know what? I'm tired of being sick and tired and I want my time back. And this is what I got to do. And you did it. So now you, you moving forward, you build a seven figure company. Now it's continuously growing. You're, you're, you're hiring more people. You're growing your company. Boom. Your company's set. What does Juan decide to do after his company, his foundation has all the systems in place, has all, you know, every, 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 every person on your team has a role to accomplish. Everybody's in sync. You're leading the pack. What comes next? Yeah. So like I said, uh, everything changed about maybe three years or so ago, uh, maybe close to four, maybe, but, uh, because I was trying to make more money, as you guys remember, I'm just, I was chasing money, but I didn't know how to do it. Uh, about four years ago, I was at a point where we either were going to close it because it wasn't, I was working too hard without, you know, the, what I wanted. So, or, or I was going to go all in. But before I decided to go all in, because I was chasing the money and I was kind of trying to see what else I could do. That's when I became a, a real estate agent. So mm. I have my realtor license. Um, but right after I got it, uh, that's when everything kind of changed on my fitness business. So I, I'm a realtor, but I had to kind of put it in the back burner for a little while. And that's when the gym kind of completely succeeded. Now, now that the gym is going and he's doing fine, uh, then I decided to go back to the real estate. So that's kind of what I'm currently doing, uh, if you want to call it full-time, <laughs> even though uh, my gym is going on its own. But I'm right now focusing on my real estate stuff. So that's kind of what, what 
going on right now. And you said right now earlier that when you when you let go of the training, you focus yourself on developing a skill set in sales and marketing. And one of the things I want to share That's with right. everyone yeah. that, you know, he's not just your average marketer. He's actually in the two comma club with Russell Brunson that everybody knows in the marketing world. So, you know, I want to congratulate you. And, and you know, for me, it's an honor to to be having this conversation with you of because of what you've been able to achieve in, in everything you've done and being part of that group, you know, in that marketing group um, is actually, you know, it's a very, very, very small percentage of people in the world that have accomplished that. So congratulations on that. Oh, thanks. Thank you very much. And it's, sure. it's an honor for me to have met you through Los and, and have you on this podcast because at the end of the day, those accomplishments, you know, are self-fulfillment. They're not to, and, and I know you don't do this to show off to the world, but you know what? I'm showing you off because that's a great accomplishment and, and, and keep up the great work. So let's talk about that. You know, you decided to, to, to develop new skill set, but you took your marketing skill set and marketing game to the whole different level. And that goes attached to what you're doing with your existing company and your real estate company. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's right. Yeah. So, so of talk course, about that. Uh, yeah. So I've been, of course, the way that I grew my, um, my fitness through, through funnels. So if people don't know what a funnel is, it's just, it looks like a website, but it's not a website because it's, it's like a website on steroids, which means that um, it's hyper-focused on getting sales. So when somebody lands on a funnel, uh, the only option you have is either to leave the page or buy. So there is no, there is no buttons. There is nothing except in there which is the whole purpose of that page if that makes sense 100 percent. but you took that and you ran with it you 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 put that's right so 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 because i i started to grow my my fitness business through funnels uh i actually uh discovered that i love <laughs> uh advertising and of course the use of funnels and so on so I knew that funnels would work because it did work for my fitness business. And, and of course I started to apply the same funnel, the same way of marketing to my, um, real estate company. And, and right now we're doing great using funnels. Um, but because of that, go ahead. Sorry. So off topic. So like when you had that turning point, um, three years ago, you turned into a seven figure gym, I, what I want entrepreneurs and um, business owners to know is like, how much more did you start spending in marketing a month where you're like, Oh shit, like I'm spending a lot. Am I going to get a return <laughs> back of my investment? Yeah. Everybody I talk For to, sure. they spend a heavy amount on Facebook ads funnels. Like what, what was like your average monthly cost for ads? Would you say? Yeah. So, so before during my 13 years <laughs> or 14 years or 15 years that I wasn't doing well, I probably spent, in 16 years, I probably spent a thousand bucks in advertising. A thousand dollars in 16 years for advertisement? 16 years, yeah. And of course, that didn't work out. Right. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so um, by the time, so uh, I'll probably be spending about 300, 
probably about $300 a day, which is not very much compared to some other companies. Uh, but I don't know how much that a month, probably like six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 or so per month. Well, was it was it scary in the beginning when you first started spending that much on ads? Oh, definitely, super scary because <laughs> I didn't have any money, so I was hoping that it would work, and fortunately, it did work. So, but it is definitely like that's probably I can probably see that being one of the most scary things when somebody, first of all, don't have money to spend on advertising because they're living on a day-to-day basis. Or uh, they don't know how to do it. So, again, some people think that advertising is more like a lottery. Hopefully I get my money back. But it's not. Because it's it's all numbers. So once you find something that works, then then it's not scary anymore. I think it's scary when you don't know something. But if you know something, then it's not scary anymore. And I think that's the point where everything changed. Once I knew that if I put $100, I would get dollars $800, $1,000 back, then that's not scary anymore. Right? And that's a gut check right there. Because as an entrepreneur, it is scary. It is the unknown. But you know what? What if, I always say, what if? What if you didn't? What if you didn't do that? Well, where would you be? And that's same place. <laughs> that's a gut check to everybody out there that you're you're like, oh, well, what if I do this and it doesn't work? But what if you do do it and it works? And if that's you're right. if you're resilient, if you have a no quit attitude, it will work because you'll figure it out. And that's a gut check. And that's the difference. That's why you are where you're at. That's why you have a seven-figure company. You're in the two-comma club. It's because you did it. It was scary. And that's a great point because at the end of the day, we're, you know, entrepreneurs are not, you know, we're not this, you know, Superman type character that we don't get scared. Yeah, we get scared. Yeah, we have emotions. Yeah, we feel like, oh, shit, what if this don't work? But we trust ourselves. That's the only difference and we execute you know that's the difference and 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 even if it's scary even when you make that first initial transaction and your hands shaking and los could relate to this because right now we're doing we're on a business venture together and i know when he made that investment it was scary but you know what it's going to be worth it because at the end of the day it's the best decision you can make when when you do those investments and look at look at you, Juan. You made that first investment in marketing, and it was scary. But what if you didn't do it? What if you have not done that investment? And look at where you're at today for that making that one decision. And based off what you're going, Caesar, when you said that one times one, I never thought about like this. Like one times one, or get certain income. One times you know fifty certain income. But what if you relate that to marketing? You only spent a thousand dollars in the past what four, thir- 13, 14 years, and he was still stuck in the same position. So his one times 10, his one times 20, and ended up turning his business into a seven-figure business. There it is. So it should come with your money as well, your one times ones. I believe it. And there, that now that's a gut check right there. And that's something, that's a new analogy that we could use for marketing and as well, because it is. It's right. You know, you invested, you know, $1,000 for 14 years, and that's what you're going to get back. Right. That's right. That's exactly. a great. We got we to write that down. We got to do a podcast on that. 
No, that, yeah, Juan, that was a great. No, we, we're learning from me, brother. And then, so at this point, uh, let's just say this year we were catching up to this year. COVID hit. Um, before COVID, were you like cruising, meaning like, autopilot. like, like autopilot? Like you weren't happy. You're like, oh, everything's good. Like not fulfilled as much, or you were still working on different things that was keeping your mind occupied. Oh, I'm always doing something. So as soon as something is going well, then I'm like, okay, now let's. Let's get something else going on. And and, Again, would, and would you say you did that because you want to, you don't want to go back to drinking, like going back to the past? You're like, oh man, I'm doing well. Let me do something new because if not, if I if I get stuck in this rut, I might go back to X Y Z. Is that why you're always doing something? Um, I think I think I'm just I have probably like an addictive personality, and that's probably why. Right. Um, I can say that I'm an alcoholic that hasn't had a drink for 14 years because I still would like, like I like the feeling of it, but I don't do it. So I don't know if that makes me an alcoholic or not. I don't know what an alcoholic is, but, but because I have that, um, what do you call that? That addicted personality. I'm addicted to, to business. I'm addicted to success. So if something's going well, then I'm like, okay, cool. Now I think my addiction kicks in. It's like, okay, now what else can I do? I need more. I need more of that. That's your high. So, it's, it's your yeah. It's your high, and and also the addictiveness. And, and let me kind of put it in my perspective is is awareness. Like for example, you know, you know when you have a drink and you have multiple drinks, you know the buzz kicks in. Um, we're aware of that. And I think it's more of the awareness part as an entrepreneur than addictiveness because we know where we put our thoughts and energy and execution, we're going to create a result. So at the end of the day, we're addicted to the result. And 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 drinking is more of awareness. We know, like, I, you know, if I drink today, I'll drink tomorrow and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because I know I can. But it's our awareness that says, well, why are you going to drink today? Just focus on creating, getting this task done and, and, and get the fulfillment out of it. Create a result. In, in my perspective, that's, that's, right. how, that's, that's how I see it, you know, because it's, I, I'm not addicted to, you know, to the, to the feeling of creating results as well. So the thing is, it's not, it's more of that than, and having awareness that, Hey, if I go have one drink, I'll have 10 drinks, but you know, I don't want to be, having 10 drinks every night because I'm aware that that's just going to, I'm going to feel uh, shitty the next day. And then I'm not going to be able to produce the results that I like to produce. That's right. Exactly. It's always a balance. Like what you rather do this or that, right? So you always have to make that decision. If I have 10 drinks tonight, then that means that I can't do whatever I really want to do tomorrow morning. So sure. what's better? Is it to drink tonight or is it the stuff that's happening tomorrow? So you always have a choice, right? All right. That's um, it. The choice. Yeah. So, for sure. So right now, what's your your addiction is solving problems, which what's we're getting out of this podcast. Like, I think you're most yeah, happy so, when you're solving so problems. Because love, yeah, because I love solving problems and there's problem after problem. And in <laughs> marketing, you're, pro, you're solving everybody's because it's in, obviously you, you love marketing different businesses. Your high is like, holy cow, this is like a new business. Like, oh, I can't wait to solve this problem. Then like, so it's going to be impossible to be bored for you to be bored now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, there's always problems. So I'll, I'll, I'll never run out of ideas. Right. To solve those problems. 
Now, once there's no more problems, then I'll be screwed. <laughs> now, what do I do? But there's always going to be problems, right? <laughs> so I think it's just moving and solving the next problem. So now that, you know, we're all in this COVID stuff, you know, some areas have opened up, kind of gone to normal. As an entrepreneur, when, when, when we got forced to shut down, what ran through your mind as an entrepreneur? And, and maybe we could all talk a little bit about it. So that way, everybody that's out there could understand where we're coming from. But at the end of the day, what went through your mind as an entrepreneur having a very successful gym, uh, working on real estate, you know, working on your marketing game? What went through your head? How did you pivot? Well, of course, the first thing is denial, right? It's like, there's nothing going on there, right? There's no virus, whatever, right? But then reality kicked in. It's like, well, now the government's closing stuff. So, of course, the first thing was like, of course, everybody, and I think it's a normal type of feeling. It's like scared. I was scared. I'm like, oh, shoot. Now I'm pretty much going to go and live on the street. That was my first thought. I'm going to have to return this or that. I, I don't know. Again, so many thoughts came through my mind. But that didn't last long. And that's the key. If you have a bad thought, like, don't keep feeding that thought instead of that. You just have to stop the thought and, you know, sleep on it or whatever. And then try to solve that problem. Gut check so right there. When they're, yeah. So when they were closing my gym... It's like, okay, I already went through the scared. I was scared, but then I'm like, okay, how am I going to fix that? Then, of course, within a couple of days, three days, we had all our clients uh, doing online stuff. So we were training them online, and we had to come up with ways to train them. and ways. So we pretty much had to come with a new system to make sure that we gave our clients uh you know, the best service we could. But it had to happen quickly. So we, again, we transitioned all our clients online within a week. Everybody was training online. You pivoted. So that's kind of how we pivoted. And you adjusted Uh, to playing the new game. Yeah, I just had to learn, right? Because I've never been on the online business when it comes down to my fitness. So what did I have to do? I had to learn. Right. So the first, well, I'm still learning, but uh, the first month or, or two was just learning. Like, how can I help my, my clients better on an online basis? How can I connect with them so they feel like they're having uh, the best service ever? Right. So it's, it, again, it, it comes down to learning. It's a new learning curve. Uh, and that's the cool thing about this type of you know, situations that you can either take it as a bad thing, right? COVID sucks and, or you can take it as a good thing. It's like, you know what? Because of COVID, I learned so much more on to how to deal on a, like how to start a, a business online and how to market differently and how to do this and that, right? So that means that if this happens again in the future, in 10 years, 20 years, guess what? I already have the knowledge how to deal with it. So instead of taking it as a bad thing, you have to change your mentality and say, how can this be a positive thing? And then just stick to the positive. 
because if you stick to the negative, you're not going to survive it. You're not going to go through it. So you have to kind of stick to the positive out of a bad thing and just keep moving forward. And I love what you said. Don't feed the negative thoughts. And and even as as entrepreneurs, as leaders, as all these labels that we have, we still have negative thoughts. I still have negative thoughts. But the For awareness sure. of being able to catch it and not feed it um, is is where our job as entrepreneurs, as leaders, we have to be aware of it and be able to catch it. One of the things I, sh I do, and I'll share this with you guys, is I journal a lot. As soon as I have a negative thought, I go right in my journal and I write it down. And I have a negative journal, so I write that negative thought so it stays there. So the moment I ever come across it again, it, it does. It's it's in my it's in my negative journal, not because I want to keep track of it, but so I could bring awareness to myself, and I could tell myself, "Hey, stop thinking that," and I don't feed the negative thoughts. And is it hard? Absolutely, but it's worth it. So I'm aware of it because I'm human. We're all human. We are, we all have negative thoughts. But when this COVID hit, same thing, you know, what I did, I came down to my office and I, and I just started mapping things out and started realizing, okay, what problems could I solve? What, what do I have control of? And one of the things is I came up with a topic called con control the controllables. I only could control me. I can't control the government. I can't control outside circumstances. I only could control me. And what I did is I mapped out what I could control and that's how I pivoted. I was I, I, I set up an execution plan on what I could control and that's how I kept moving forward. And then I mean, this year has actually been a record breaking year for me and, and most people are having the opposite. So the thing is, all I did was focus on what I can control. And that's what you did with your business. You took it online, Lowe's, you did the same thing. You pivoted. You're like, what could I control? I could control my customers. I could control what I what I do. And let me figure out a way to provide it to them with the best customer service, the best experience ever. And guess what? We came out on top. And that's a gut check because most people fed the negative. Most people fed what the news was giving them. Most people fed what the government and they were they they didn't know they could control themselves, but they were letting outside sources, negative information control their thought process and they fell off. They fell apart. No, 100%. That's right. You know what's crazy? Like talking with you guys, it's like we obviously, we, we us three, we talk a lot. <laughs> we never talk about the news. And I feel like when you're talking to like a non entrepreneur or like non business owner, they're always talking about, oh, did you hear about XYZ? Yeah. Did you hear about this? Well, if you're feeding those thoughts, it's going to be hard for you to get out of that rut. And it's about who you surround yourself with. Because if you're surrounding yourself, and it, not your, personally, but technology is wise. Like, what are you doing? When, what, what are you watching on your phone? Like, what are you watching when you're when you're watching TV? If it's all negative, it's going to be a lot harder for you to come out of that situation. That's why talking with you guys, it's always solution-minded. We rarely talk about COVID. We just brought it up because on the podcast with Juan and, like, what were our solutions. But that's something we never dwell on. Yeah, because we, we always have a we always think we feed the positive, we feed the solution, the solution mind, like our, our minds always thinking ideas, solutions. And that's the difference. We don't sit there and be like, Oh my God, like the world's over. You know, we, it does. We do think about it, but we don't feed it. We don't go out through the whole day thinking about the negative thought. 
we were like, okay, what's the what's the yeah. solution? The whole thing is is just like like you said, Caesar. Like stress about what you can like if you like if you're gonna stress about something, stress about the stuff that you can't control because there's no point of stressing about something you can't control. And again, this is something that I tell my my fitness people. Right? They're 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 worried. For example, they're stressing about weight not going down. Um, and I tell them, like, you have no control about your weight. You can't tell your body that to lose 1.3 pounds today and 2.3 pounds this week. Like, there's no control over that. You do have control about how much food you put in your mouth if you're going to plan your meal because that's stuff that you can't control. So if you're going to stress about something, stress about the stuff that you can't control. Mm, that's like deep. That. Hey, that's, that's powerful. A, that's a Gut check right there. I mean, there it is. It's it, it, it's just one of those philosophies that just goes deep. I mean, you control what goes in your mouth, and you can't control what's on the scale. But then again, if you control what goes in your mouth, the scale will get controlled. I, and and it goes with that's everything right. in life. Everything. You, everything. You, you read a you read a book, and you get great ideas, and you could just sit on the idea. And can't and, and don't do anything, but or you execute the idea, and now you're able to control what's going to happen in the future because there's going to be a result. That's just how it works. And but it's very most people just sit on things. Most people, you know, think it's out of their control. Yeah, there's a lot of things out of their control, but we can't control ourselves, and that's the only thing we can control. And we this and the decisions we make have we'll have an outcome sooner or later. And those outcomes are for the positive or for the negative. That's right. So, you know, again, and, 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 and I appreciate your time. One of the things that I like to do, Juan, before we cut this podcast, I mean, we've had a great conversation where we're an hour and 10 minutes in, and it seems like it's five minutes because we're like-minded. We, we understand so many philosophies, but all the listeners out there, first of all, if you want to share your, your YouTube channel, because I know you have a YouTube, ch- your Instagram, so they could start following you uh, on the different platforms. If you want to go ahead and share them. And then I have a question that I want to, two questions before we, we, we end this podcast uh, that I want you to kind of share with us. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for uh, letting me uh, share some of my stuff. Um, yeah. So if, if you guys have any questions or Anything in regards to the funnel, if you're a small business and you don't know how to get leads or anything like that, uh, you can email me at support at funnelmybusiness.com, okay? And of course, like I said, if you're having trouble growing your business because you, you don't, you're not getting enough leads and you would like to learn how to do it, uh, just send me an email and I'll be more than happy to uh, help you out. Uh, in regards to Instagram, uh, you guys can check me out at uh, funnel my business okay that's a new account uh, or my real estate which is sell with the brothers on instagram and there it is you guys got to follow him uh send him a dm if you have any questions and definitely you know that's one of the things that uh before i ask you the questions is that most people are scared to ask and one thing i've learned if you don't ask you don't get and, you know, I always teach my kids, if you don't ask, you're going to walk out of there wondering. And if you if you wonder, you're going to wonder through life. And guess what's going to happen? 
nothing because you're wondering. So please, if you guys have any questions, reach out to Juan. So now here's my question. First question sure. is, if, if you would lose everything today, but you still had your phone with all your contacts and your networks, how would you rebuild tomorrow? That's a great question. Okay, so um, from all my experience, um, from my last 17 years, is the first thing you have to do is I would put um, my time in learning uh, the marketing and how to get leads to your business. Um, so I would learn how to use the basic stuff like Facebook advertising or how to post on Instagram to get leads. Um, again, I would definitely put some time in learning that stuff. Um, just like I said before, I didn't know that for the first 16, 17 years in my business, and that's why I wasn't growing. Uh, secondly, make sure that if you're going to start uh, a new business, just because maybe you lost your job or, or you just want to change careers or whatever, make sure that you pick something that you love because if you don't, just like I, I, I lasted 17 years before, 16 years before my business actually picked up, if you don't love what you do, you're going to quit on the first year or the second year or the third year or the fourth year or the fifth year. Um, but that's kind of my thing. Just make sure that you learn about how to get leads because that's the only thing that's going to get you to the next level. Without leads, you have nothing. Mm. Without sales, you have nothing. There it is. Um, that, that's it. That, that would be my advice. Instead <laughs> of learning more about Love something, it. just make sure that you focus on advertising, uh, focus on how to get leads, how to sell, and if you have a little bit of knowledge on those two, you'll be fine for a long time. There it is, guys. I mean, he, he gave you guys the, the golden ticket. It's all up to you to go execute. And thank you so much for that. I mean, at the end of the day, I know that question's pretty deep. Most people will have, wouldn't even know where to start. And, you know, what, what we do is we compile our experiences throughout, through our lifetime. And when we get hit with questions like that, well, pretty much we just, you know, that's why we say I got a portfolio of experiences and I just go back in there and grab them and, and, and know what works and what doesn't work in 17, 18 years. Definitely. We figured out things that work and don't work. But uh, real quick, you said your, you know, how Caesar said is your contacts. You can still keep your contacts on your phone. But what I wanted to get at is your circle influence is huge. If you were to lose everything and you were around your locals, your, your, your local bar friends that go to the bar every day, you would not be able to go so far if you were to lose everything. So the next thing I would add to what Juan said is like, who are you surrounding yourself with right now? Just in case something were to happen, you could rely on those resources to get you to that next person that you couldn't get to. But that resource, that friend you had could get you to that person quicker instead of you trying to go through all the loopholes for the next two to three years. That's right. Can I add one more thing that I think is really, really important? Uh, something that I would probably change also if I was to start over again. Go for it. Start collecting emails. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you have like 100,000 followers on Instagram. Instagram can go away tomorrow. 
doesn't matter if you have a million followers on Facebook, they can cancel your account tomorrow because you have no control over it. Just like I was talking about it before, stress about what, like no point stressing about you can't control. Facebook followers, you know, your accounts, you have no control over it. Facebook has control over it. Instagram has control over it. But if you collect emails, that's your email that you can keep in your computer and nobody can take that away. So I rather have a million emails than a million fo- or than 10 million followers on Facebook every single day. That's powerful. <laughs> it's one times a million right there. Yeah, it is one times a million. And there it is. It falls right in. One times a million is a million uh, emails. So, you know, for, first of all, I want, again, I'm very honored and privileged to have you on, on, on this podcast. And Los, thank you so much for making this possible. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me, Caesar. It was amazing. Carlos, the same thing. Yeah, you know, happy to be here. Yeah, no, thank you. So, we're going to wrap it up with this. And I always, at the end of each podcast, I ask the question is, what advice do you give to all the listeners out there that are trying to become entrepreneurs, that are trying to figure this out, this thing called entrepreneurship? What at one, what, what one piece of advice would you give them? And to be able to have them resonate with wherever they're at, because this whole podcast, that's it's it's for the audience, for them to be able to ca- get one thing from this and be able to change and pivot uh, or get them out of that slump they're in. So what one advice and, and it, it could be anything uh, that you could share to the audience so they could be able to say, oh, my God, I needed this. Yeah, Um it sounds very simple, uh, and I think the one thing that I would tell people trying to start something or struggling to grow their business is just don't quit. That's it. Don't quit. Just if I would have quit, you know, 15 years ago, I would never gone, or you know, I would never gone to where I am right now. And and that's kind of one thing that I see people doing all the time. They they quit too soon. Well. Those ads didn't work. I guess Facebook advertising doesn't work. And then they quit. Right? If they would have kept going and learning about it and falling down and getting up again, I guarantee you, you know, most people would have been successful instead of quitting. So that's my advice. Just don't quit. Keep moving forward. Thank you so much for that. I, and actually, that's going to be the, the title of this podcast. Don't quit. And... um. I think it goes very, very, it falls right into place with your story and everything that you've gone through and never quit. So, I mean, if it's okay with you, that's going to be part of the top of the title of it. Don't quit because it goes, I mean, it goes very, very well with your story. But with that said, Juan Los, is there anything else you guys want to add? I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. This was amazing. This is, I mean, the value, the, 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 the story Everything is unbelievable on this podcast. I, I had a great, great time. No, thank, th- th- thank Again, you thanks, so much. Guys. Yeah, and, and 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 thank you for coming, Juan, all the way from Canada. You're gonna make it on this call, brother. And, you know, uh, from out here from California to all the Canadians. You know, this is Caesar with the podcast and Los. All right, Juan, thank you guys so much for for the time. All right, guys, thank you very much.
Thank you guys for joining us. This is the Gut Check with Cesar Gomez. Stay tuned for more Gut Checks, more episodes. And if you got value through any of our episodes, feel free to share them with your friends, colleagues, other entrepreneurs, anybody out there that's just trying to better their life. See you guys soon. Oh,